Welcome to the latest episode of the Informing Choices Minipod. In a world where an ever-widening perspective on sustainability is gaining more and more traction, biodegradable reuse and recyclable packaging is becoming the norm across many sectors. Increasingly, brands are being viewed within the context of their sustainability credentials. But is the current pace of change fast enough? And how do other trends we are seeing in consumer behavior in retail, for example, impact the future direction of travel for packaging? To discuss the future of sustainable packaging, I'm delighted to welcome lead consultant and founder of packaging consultancy Root Innovation, Tracy Sutton to the podcast. Tracy, welcome along. Tell us about your focus on sustainable packaging. Good morning, Steve. It's very nice to be joining you today. Uh, I've got a strong background in sustainable design and packaging technology, um, about 20 years or so, and I set up Root in 2013 to help organisations use less and become regenerative, inclusive and kinder to people and planet. Root is one of Europe's leading sustainability, oh sorry, sustainable packaging consultancies, and myself and the Root team are using decades of technical, environmental and creative expertise to deliver industry-leading packaging analysis, and strategy to producers. Some of our main clients are, or most of our main clients are international brands and we've delivered global projects for clients including Diageo, Pucker and PepsiCo. That's wonderful. And I, and I really like that um, idea of kinder to people and planet. So uh, maybe we'll touch on the, on the breadth that sustainable packaging uh, and its potential implications much wider maybe than, uh, uh, than just products. So, so to kick us off, what do you think are the current opportunities and challenges to creating sustainable packaging? Where's it going? Well, I think it's a really interesting question, Steve, because for me, I always see sustainability as an opportunity for businesses, whereas I think for many, it's about sweeping under the carpet, sadly, yeah. and hoping it's a pain that will actually disappear over time, which certainly isn't happening. For me, the opportunities are leadership, loyalty and longevity. So, for us, whether it's an industry or a category, we tend to work with brands, businesses that are really proud to be leading the way in sustainability. So some of our clients, people like Pucker Herbs or Diageo, they've all got pretty clear social and environmental ambitions. Yeah. They've got high standards and they've also they've got the resource and the budget to drive our strategic work and solutions forward. And this has a really fantastic role because it very much encourages other competitors and other um, people within the value chain as well in the industry to do the same thing. From a loyalty perspective, we're really talking about customers. So I think a lot of customers are still really confused. Uh, sorry, I should say consumers rather. I don't like to use that word, but mm -hmm. a lot of consumers are still very confused by sustainability. And we're asking more of, of brands and producers, but we might not necessarily be asking for the right things. So there's some disconnect between what we think is the right thing for the environment and, and what actually is in practice. One of the key things really, I think, is that when you're a business and you invest in having a clear plan for what you're doing with your packaging and you've got your clear why, you really help take your customers and your sort of supply chain partners, delivery partners with you on that journey. So you're letting them know who you are, what you're doing, why you're doing it. And you're really sort of building loyal relationships and partnerships, um, not only for from a customer point of view, but for other partners in the value chain as well. Just, just going back to something you said um, uh, a few seconds ago, 
Um, is there a kind of a, a mindset shift that happens for organizations that get it, if you like, that switches from sustainability and issues around sustainability and packaging from being a cost to being an investment? Is that the mindset shift they need to make, do you think? It is. It, part of it is that, but it is also... I mean, whether you call it investing in the future, um, some people are just thinking about it more so in terms of de-risking from future policy and regulation. Mm. Um, but it is a really, you do really need to have quite a broad, you need to be able to take a step back from the granularity of things and understand the opportunities that exist. Um, and some of these opportunities are about de-risking and uh, avoiding some pretty big business challenges in the future. Yeah. So, you know, thinking about those those opportunities and the, and, and the challenges as well that, that exist in the future, what do you think are the drivers to adopting better packaging technologies? And actually, I suppose there's, a, there's an opposite to that, isn't there? What, you know, what are the hurdles as well? Yeah, and um, well, I suppose I might, I, I realise I, I didn't really talk about the challenges so much there. And so I can probably sort of tie that into that last question. I think some of the challenges in, in general are, and this for me is more about the mindset, which you touched on, is there, and I couldn't find a better word, but it's naivety. Um, I think that a lot of businesses don't really understand the risk of doing nothing. Um, yeah. As I mentioned, some businesses don't understand the impact of regulation, taxes, the basics of resource scarcity. These big businesses are buying hundreds, thousands, millions of tons and using chemicals, raw materials, et cetera. And these materials are going to undoubtedly just go keep going up in price as we as our population increases and as we keep using more and, and wasting a lot as well. I think another thing to bear in mind is the what I kind of call the the deprioritization of sustainability, which I think happens when people are really thinking about the the paperwork and the legal side of things in terms of ticking boxes versus really framing this in terms of um, a really big business opportunity. A couple of the other points that are, for me really are some of the barriers in translating a strategy into an action plan mm. is resource and budget. So I'd say probably for about three to five years, there's a handful of businesses that have had a packaging strategy in place. It's still a reasonably new concept for many. But what you'll often find on different websites of different manufacturers or producers or packaging suppliers, for example, is a lot of talk about sustainability quite broadly, but nothing tangible, nothing measurable, no clear goal or ambition. And what that means is they haven't really got to put anything behind it to sort of um, to, to, to show up and meet the, what, their, what their commitments are. So I think really the, it's really important that businesses recognize that need to invest in the strategy. So I suppose your question around the drivers to adopting what I would call sort of better packaging technologies are mindset and you know there is no magic material we've grown into a world of disposability and single use as part of our consumption and no matter what material you use it's going to have an impact and it's going to have a pretty big impact businesses are recognizing that they are wedded to certain types of material and that actually you know some companies are talking about exiting certain pretty key materials in the packaging industry which from a sector point of view is actually really pretty it's it, it's big stuff right and so you know we've got this knee-jerk thing where we can shift between different materials or actually from our perspective some of the work that we're doing with companies is is what we're calling circular innovation and that's taking a step back 
and looking at the product delivery system. So it isn't just looking at a packaging technology, because by the time you're looking at packaging technology, you've already shoehorned it or, or placed it into a certain pack format. So a shampoo, a 200 ml plastic bottle, most, you know, a lot of it's water. If you've got like, a yogurt, it's probably going to go in a plastic pot because of the product format. If you look at that whole product delivery system um, and look at and, and ask yourself the question, what's the best way to get our product to the customer? You sort of, you know, take a student's approach and take away all the all the stuff that we've got that existing or that exists, because that's all that that's that infrastructure and all those assumptions are preventing us from moving forward. So I think really the driver to adopt a better packaging solutions as such is to sort of forget everything that we already know. Yeah. And and really apply what we sort of call systems thinking. And it's looking at delivery systems, not material. It's also talking about innovating in the system and not in the material because you know there's some innovative apparently innovative materials but they can't be recycled and they don't have a clear end of life which is um pretty catastrophic and a no-go at the moment for sure do, do, do you think there's scope to kind of shift how packaging is developed more in parallel with product now rightly or wrongly you know my assumption is product developed and then we work out how to package it but if those two went together, might that enable a better use of packaging materials, more sustainable packaging? Yeah, do you know, I love the fact that you've asked that question, Steve, because when I sort of grew into the world, you know, I graduated in sustainable product design and it was all about the product. Um, and then I specialised in packaging. And then when I entered the world as a packaging technologist and a packaging engineer, it was just all about the packaging. So it's a case of, well, as you say, the product's developed and then it needs to go into this kind of pack. And I just found that really limiting. I just found that quite strange. And I think that the vast majority of people within the professional packaging sector have got that mindset. And a lot of the way that the systems and the MPD processes work within businesses are, here's the product, Oh, and now let's look at the packaging. So even in the, the project management that I've had to become very good at project management over the time because I know all the different hurdles that come up within the development of packaging because you've got to develop the pack. And at the moment, historically, so you've got to develop the product and then that gets handed to the packaging team. And so by that stage, as I say, lots of really important decisions around the kind of material, the weight of the material, the end of life of that material, they've kind of already been made. So for me, again, if we think about this idea of systems thinking, you develop the product and the pack in tandem. Mm -hmm. um, and a great idea, a, a great example to get to communicate the benefits of those kind of things is some of these kind of beauty cube type products where we'll just even the basics of soap, which I'm a huge fan of rather than shower gel, which is you by using a dry product, you take the water out, you take the water, the footprint, the weight throughout out of the entire process until you get it into someone's home. And hey, you get free water that comes out the tap to, to make the product per se. So that is great because it really helps you. It's no real innovation, you can argue. It's just a different way of thinking of design because the purpose of the product is to clean the customer. So if you think not just about, and then the, what's the purpose of the packaging? Well, it's actually to protect the product. So it's really thinking again, this is thinking very holistically about the whole, the whole picture. I really like that. Such a simple example, but you, you, you made that really clear about the kind of the, the systematic approach and, and thinking very much about how the product is used. What, what's your sense about how 
packaging and packaging technology, packaging provision has changed through the pandemic. Because I, I have a sense that perhaps the pandemic has caused a bit of a pause to how we think about packaging because we're looking for everything to be so clean and sanitized almost. Yeah, and you're absolutely right to pick up on this. And there's a couple of points. There's definitely, you know, you kind of don't need a research study to, to prove it. But yeah, you know, studies are clearly saying that hygiene is one of the key things for people in 2021. Mm. Um, what does that mean for packaging? Well, for me, myself, I've always gone in and got loose apples. I get local apples delivered from, you know, in the veg box. So and I've never bought things in plastic packaging, which probably won't be a surprise from an environmentalist. Um, but a lot of people, you know, when it, and this is the really interesting thing for me between, we talk about protecting people and planet because we look at environmental and social metrics, but also when you look really, when you really take a step back and look at the bigger picture, um, when we think about the pandemic, human life is our absolute priority. Anything to do with sustainability, is obviously absolutely going to be sort of you know second best as such one important thing to to highlight is things like reuse and refill so for example there are some uh not very great studies that or single use some people within the single use industry let's just say are proposing you know that refill and reuse is is less hygienic and there's also lots of studies to absolutely counteract that you know at the end of the day whether a water bottle a bar a, a bottle a tub a tube a tray has been touched uh, whether it's single use or reusable as long as it's touched and managed in 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 a correct uh, clean health uh, healthy way safe way um then it isn't really going to make very much difference at all so we like with any financial crisis or any sort of health crisis sustainability takes a back seat but there's a great illustration that um, was doing the rounds about nine to 12 months ago where you had the pandemic, which is a small wave. You then had the um, financial crisis, the recession behind it. And then you had this very big wave behind, which was climate change. So it's still there. It's yes. still happening. But at the moment, we are uh, fighting for, for arguably uh, different priorities at the moment. Well, one might um, hope that sustainability is a broad issue is something once it's wrapped up into climate change and once we see the order of magnitude compared to what we've been through right now that it does once we're through the main part of the pandemic it does um, uh, take its rightful place in in, in a list of priorities mm. so so thinking forward now what what do you think are the most innovative packaging technologies that we might see in widespread use over the next five to ten years because there's a lot of good work going on about using completely biodegradable materials as well as thinking about a more systematic approach aren't there yeah so when we do a when we do a piece of strategy we look at the whole plethora the whole sort of network and library of packaging materials and i think for me being a packaging expert in this sector for sort of 20 years one of the things that's interesting for me is and important to clarify really is biodegradable materials because they've got a lot of following at a on a, on a at a public level or, or with consumers um a lot of them some of them most of them have no clear end of life where they can be collected and the key thing here is you know somebody labels a material biodegradable my question is which bin as I'm a, I'm a customer I'm at home which hang on which bin am I supposed to put that in yeah. so I've got home, home compostable wraps that are supposed to that a wrapper 
whatever it is, my eco magazine of some sort in the nature sector. Uh, and then it's telling you to put it in your home compost. Hey, I live in a flat at the moment. I don't have a home compost bin, unfortunately, so I've got nowhere for it to go. So really the, the challenge around, uh, and, and there's an important point here, which is some packaging materials are only sort of inventions they're not really innovations so they get invented they get put out onto the market but they don't really make it because the because they can't scale right. and i think a, a lot of key materials that are the key thing about a lot of the biodegradable materials is that a lot of them are they come from a renewable source so i break down packaging strategy sustainable packaging strategies to really key bits of information one where does it come from is it good or bad is it a good or bad place and two where does it go to you know is that a good or bad place you know but describing it for a five-year-old to understand it's it's that straightforward in some respects so a lot of the different packaging materials that we've we're kind of very much wedded really from an infrastructure point of view and a lot of the big sort of historic traditional FMCG brands are wedded to the typical traditional packaging material. So paper and card, you know, just metal and steel, um, PET, PP, um, HDP, LDP. So we've got this sort of handful of, um, you know, different traditional packaging materials, some of them widely recycled, some of them not. And, and lots of work is being done in those areas. We haven't really seen a new pack format I, I talk about formats and materials I haven't, we haven't really seen a new material or a new format come into play that has been able to scale and that has taken mm. over from another material unless i'm forgetting something um i, I can't think of one um we've got material we've got packs like tetra pack for example that in my opinion are, are not right widely recycled in practice so that's not for me that's not an innovation yes it gives you good savings in lots of other areas but it, it needs to be able to go somewhere especially in especially in developing nations we've also had compostable materials as i tend to use that word as opposed to biodegradable but materials that come from a renewable play uh, generally come from a, a renewable source so that therefore makes it good compared to those that come from a finite resource but often these materials have got higher impacts on soil health water health um, uh, and depending on a number of different factors sometimes on carbon too in terms of the way that they've been farmed and produced so you know, the so this is the reason why for me is I've seen all these I've seen this happen, whether it's mushroom packaging, algae packaging, all these different bits of components have got a role to do something somewhere. But strategically, none of them are a win win. None of them are going to help us use less. And this big thing that we're not really prepared to do or not ready to do yet is shift from single use mentality to reuse and using less. So really, for me, the most innovative solution is less about technology and more about the way that we think about packaging. So, and, and that really is about using less because that will reduce footprints quite significantly, quite quickly. It's never particularly struck me before, but some of those uh, ideas, some of the existing technologies and the existing way we think about sustainable packaging is actually reinforcing the single use, isn't it? So, you know, biodegradable is really handy because I can use it and throw it away straight away. Absolutely. Yeah, there's evidence to say exactly that, that some people it's more likely to be littered, you know, and and the better we get at recycling something, the less likely we are to put more effort on on reuse and refill. So uh, you're absolutely right, really. And, and that's why for us having a holistic approach across all different areas and helping people set out a trajectory in terms of their, where they need to go to 
And that could be three, five, 10 years down the road, but it's making sure that you've set a vision and that you set a path and that you and your business and all your stakeholders are really clear about where you're, where you're going and also how you're going to get there and recognizing that there isn't going to be a magic material that's going to save the day. <laughs> uh, it needs to be a lot bigger, a lot, a, a lot bigger effort. Well, Tracy, that's been um, uh, quite incredible. Thank you so much for your time. You know, the key things that I'm, I'm taking away there is uh, the importance of behavior um, uh, from a consumer's perspective, but also from, uh, from an enterprise perspective as well. The importance of, of a strategy and a strategy that applies to the whole product system rather than to just bits of it. Um, and also within enterprise, the idea of changing a mindset and, and uh, indicating and, and demonstrating different leadership about this whole issue and integrating that with a much broader perspective on sustainability. Tracy, that's been absolutely fantastic. How can people get hold of you and find out more about Root? Thanks, Steve. Well, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I've got quite a few articles and posting generally quite often there. So people can find me on there quite easily. And then also we've got a contact page on our website, which is root-innovation.com. So um, if anybody's got any questions or any feedback, I always love to get feedback from when I've been speaking. If anyone's got any questions or something that they'd like a bit more clarity on, I'd be more than happy to answer any questions. And thank you very much for having me, Steve. You're very welcome. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And thank you everyone for listening. Do let your friends and colleagues know about the Informing Choices mini pod, and I'll see you on another episode very soon.